I'm Amy Lattimore. And I'm Brian. We are co-founders of With Wellness, a wellness club for employees, where our mission is to create space for you to learn to care for yourself and those you love. Welcome to the Priorities Podcast. In a world filled with ongoing, high stress, and tough demands, how do we begin to prioritize? I mean, like, for real, prioritize who and what matters most. Throughout this podcast, we'll speak to everyone from expert practitioners and academics to everyday moms and dads. During each conversation, we'll look for observations, learnings, and insights to help us all to prioritize and deprioritize when and where we need to. And while we can't prioritize for each other, we can prioritize with each other. So with that, let's get into this episode. In this episode, we're talking to the burnout whisperer, Ariel Belgrave. We'll be discussing how to recognize burnout and strategies you can utilize to help prevent experiencing burnout in the future. Let's get into it. So Amy, I'm gonna let you sort of lead. I'll sort of play back up just effectively what I do in life because you are the lead. But I just want to name Ari that our first interaction was like, I want to say breaking bread, but like, I don't know if you're gluten-free. I'm I'm sort of gluten-free-ish. I am gluten-free. <laughs> so, so, let, so let's come up with something. It could be gluten-free bread. But we were, we, we spent a holiday together, which is sort of not the way you meet people. We, we sort of, you meet people at like a random place. Before the holiday. Yeah. yeah. And then, but like, you, we just like showed up at your crib. <laughs> we ate your food. So. It was good too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I think that was so important. And and I love that because that was friends. It showed the power of having family outside of family. It was a case where we're like, oh, we're all going to be here in the Bay for the holidays. Like, how about we get together? And I love that vibe that was created because it was family, right? It's like, okay, meeting new people, breaking gluten-free bread. (laughs) It was a good time. And I'm so grateful for the chance to meet you. And that was what, how many years ago? That was in 2018. It was 2018. Yeah. This is when we were living in San Mateo. We were, y'all true to our house. No one comes to San Mateo. Let's be real. <laughs> Let's be real. People like, what are you doing in San Mateo? We were new to the bay. We were like, we're going where? Okay, we'll go. <laughs> it's going to be food. Hilarious. Okay. We'll Hilarious. Go. But it all worked out. It all worked out. It did, but we've had the pleasure of knowing you since 2018. And even, I think, before... This was around the time that you were starting to, or just before you had started to transition into like doing your own thing and probably had you become the burnout whisperer by then or were you leading that path? Yeah, the burnout whisperer came about during the pandemic. So we can definitely talk about that transition into from tech into making that leap. Yeah. Let's talk about how you became known as a burnout whisperer. I, I want to know about your experience with burnout and your journey to founding Jim Hookie. Yeah. So I'll start with, it all started with Jim Hookie actually. And uh, for those who don't know, I, I played sports growing up. So I actually was a college athlete. I played rugby. And an important point that I like to share is how hard it is to go from being an athlete where there's more structure, you have someone telling you when to go to practice, how to take care of yourself to going into the real world where there is no structure. So I was that athlete who struggled with taking care of myself. And I also had, I was working in investment banking. So it wasn't only not taking the best care of myself, it was working 80 plus hour weeks. And for me, I had a gym membership and never used it. It was collecting dust. I I know there's some people listening to this that can relate to it. For me, I was like, okay, well, I know to be able to, I'm working these 80 hour weeks, I still need to be able to show up for myself so I can bring my best self 
bring my A game, especially in an environment where I am a black young woman in a predominantly white, older male environment. So I had to come energized and ready, ready to slay <laughs> every day. <laughs> and not taking care of myself wasn't helping. So what I ended up doing was shifting what I knew working out to be, which was at the gym, to working out at home. And I had initially gained weight after college. I ended up losing that weight. I created my own routine with literally working out 30 minutes or less a day, had my dumbbells and so forth. And a lot of women who I work with was like, wow, I would love to go to the gym with you. I've just seen this drastic change in your energy and your vibe and how you look physically, you're more confident. And I'm like, actually, I, I don't go to the gym. Because I barely had time in the first place, I ended up sharing what I was doing on Tumblr. And Gym Hookie ended up coming about with creating a positive movement around skipping gym saying, hey, and this was back in 2014, 2015. Hey, you can't make it to the gym. Let's just be cute and work out at home and, and create a positive movement around skipping it. So that's how Gym Hookie came about and how I built that community of home workouts. It's crazy now because now you have yeah. the Pelotons and like <laughs> all these mirrors and tonals. And this was a result of the pandemic. So I was ahead of the game on what it looked like to create a space in your home to take care of yourself. So that is how Jim Hookie started. And I, I think it's important to share that because that led into the burnout whisper, <laughs> essentially. So while creating this movement, I worked full time. I worked in investment banking. Hubby and I moved to the Bay Area where we both started working. So I took the leap from Wall Street, started working at startup in the Bay Area, then ended up was Facebook, now Meta, and did that for three years, all while building this brand of helping and empowering women on their wellness journey. And I was doing all the worlds. I was doing all the things, <laughs> including being an Under Armour athlete. So I am a sponsored athlete in the face of one of the brands. So imagine being in HR and then going the traveling for shoots. We need to come back to that, by the way. You just sort of breezed over being a sponsored athlete, which right. <laughs> and you, also, you also breezed over being a rugby player. I mean, that feels like. And also this investment banking 80 hour weeks. So much we need to talk. Lots, lots of things, y'all. We're not going to compete <laughs> against Ari. We're going to make sure we're on the same team with Ari because Ari going to win. That's one thing we know. Anyway, over back to you, Ari. So I ended up in a place because I'm doing all these things. I, I you know, one thing I always prayed about what, what I pray about is understanding my purpose. And I had gotten to a place where I had to choose. And it wasn't just a choice because like, oh, this job is bad or any of that. I loved working at Meta. Honestly, I, I was very supported there. Every chance people get, they wanted me to incorporate somehow being an HR with being a wellness person and showing up as my full gym healthy self at Meta. But I had gotten to a place where I'm like, okay, fulfillment, impact. You know, if I was to leave this earth tomorrow, what is it that I want to be known for? And for me, it, it would be empowering women. So that was a choice that I made. And it just so happens, y'all, my very, so I gave one month notice. And it just so happens that my very last day at Meta, was the very first day of shelter in place in the Bay. And we all knew what happened to that. The moment that happened, we were in it for two wow. years, three years. Wow. <laughs> so the timing is wild because I built a brand around working out from home. So I thought, and I could, we could talk about this more because burnout played a part too. I, I was burnt out and I was burnt out from work as well. While I loved what I was doing, I loved the people and I was passionate what I was doing, I was burnt out. I ended up being replaced by, with two to three people when I left my role just to give you an idea of how much I was working. <laughs> and this was aside from Jim Hookie. So for me was knowing that 
there was a greater impact that I could make once the pandemic hit. So I ended up hitting the ground running. Everyone was like, oh, whoa, we're in this pandemic. Working out from home, we know who to go to. So it ended up being a very blessing of a situation after side hustling for five years and going into that. And I became the burnout whisperer more one year into the pandemic. So a lot of my clients who are women would come to me for wanting to weight loss or have more energy. And what I did find is they couldn't get to the point of being consistent with those things because they were so burnt out and stressed out. And you cannot be consistent. You cannot be successful if you're very stressed and not being able to manage it in any way. And I became the burnout whisperer because... I speak to burnout in a real way. I speak to it through my own experience, but then also touch base on things that no one else talks about in my voice. So I make the burnout conversation more fun because it is a very serious topic. So that is a spiel, y'all. I love it. And so definitely want to hear about your journey of experiencing burnout moving into the pandemic. But before that, 80-hour work weeks, you working essentially the job of three people at Facebook slash Meta, did you experience burnout when you were investment banking? And did you experience burnout when you were, did you know what the signs were? Talk us through kind of what that experience was. These are all amazing questions. I'm gonna preface this with saying, I am a Caribbean. I'm a first generation college student, a black woman. So I say those things because we are built to think about what it means to be successful in a different way than other communities and groups, right? So for me, I absolutely didn't know what burnout was. I knew what hard work was. And I know if you feel sad or exhausted that you keep going, you could eventually take a vacation if you actually take it. What's rest? What's that? So for me, this is where I'm coming into. Okay, I got to be first. In, I'm the first and only person to go to college. I got I got to kill it. Oh, I'm the youngest one in the room. I'm a black woman. So for me, it was like, okay, I will work hard now and be able to rest later. It's always been. That's what I saw growing up. So when I was burnt out, I knew I was tired, but I still went, I, I kept going. It wasn't until my body forced me to stop. I woke up and didn't know where I was. And that's what did it to me. I'm getting chills every time I say, <laughs> I say this because I was at a point where it was beyond mental exhaustion. I, I hit a ceiling. And what is important to know is there are so many people that go through burnout and what we see on the outside, I was killing it, right? But it was internally that I was struggling. And you start to see that in the work you produce and how you treat people and how you show up in your lives with loved ones, your coworkers, from not having patience to um, just being so mentally exhausted to not be even motivated to get up and go to work. And like, I pushed myself to that point. And once I got to that point where I woke up and didn't know where I was, I was like, I need to get help here. I need to fix this. This ain't it. And that's when I started to take measures to do that. But I didn't know what I never even heard of the term burnout. It, it just, it's not a word that's used in my circle. Yeah. Instead of saying burnout, we say we lit. We say, you know, <laughs> we on fire, you know, <laughs> we not talk about burnout. I love that you, I mean, it feels like the road to that realization, that epiphany took a while and it may have been some pain along the way, but I'm so glad you got there because yeah. Seems like, dare I say, your ministry, you know, is really helping people who may be experiencing the same things, but then hopefully helping them sooner before they wake up and may not know where they are. So that just, that was just me giving you your flowers in the middle of this moment. Cause I, you know, I see you, I'm not Caribbean. 
but I identify with the culture. I grew up on an island as a black man. And so sort of just being the first of many things is sort of just like you feel like you're always in go mode, but alas, we are human. So it's helpful to, to take those moments. That's right. We're groomed for the grind. Let's be real, right? When we think about third, Forbes 30 under 30s and all that, it's like you have to, the, the goal is to, to be able to be on this list before you're 30. So then what do I got to do in the years after college to get that? I actually feel some type of way, honestly, about Forbes 30 under 30 because I'm like, yo, tell me, tell me people who's out here writing books at 60 years old who went through it and, and not to discount anyone who's Forbes 30 under 30. I think that's an amazing accomplishment, but I think it makes it hard for us to really dig deeper into our creative selves and, and really be intentional about our purpose if we feel like we need to do to make a list, right? Or to get validation from the external world that we are successful. So that's like a whole nother topic. Amy, we, we need to have Ari back because we got, we just unpacked five different sermons that we need to discuss. We need to come back to Renaissance. We need to come back to sweat and not wiping it off and seeping through pores. Rugby on its own I mean, you are stories. Amy, back to you. Let me stop. Let me just get off the mic right now. Let me stop. <laughs> it's such an interesting story. And it, yours is not the first that I've heard where people kind of come to this realization of burnout after they've hit a major, major wall where their body is just like physically like, nope, not today and not tomorrow either. Not for a long time. And so really curious kind of, how you got yourself out of that moment. So what did the recovery period look like? And then it sounded like, did you find yourself in a very similar moment as well a little bit later in life? So I'd love to kind of talk through that journey. Ooh, I love that. And it's a great question because, so my burnout experience was one, being in corporate, but then being an entrepreneur. In both cases, I was figuring it out. I was figuring out how to be in this world and be able to love what I do, be successful, and make moves ultimately. So I usually take my clients through what I call the reset method when it comes to recovering from burnout. So the R is recognizing the symptoms of burnout, i.e. coming to terms that you actually are burnt out. Uh, the E is examining stressors. So that is taking a step back and assessing where you are, reassessing and rethinking what your priorities are, coming to terms with just what your needs are. And I'm going to take a step back because I think oftentimes when people think of recovering from burnout, it's usually like you're exhausted. You just you just need to take some time off from work or you can just do some yoga and some meditation. Ah, Let's be real. Yoga and meditation ain't going to fix burnout. You can't yogi your way out of burnout. You absolutely can. You have to get to the root cause of what is causing the burnout in the first place. Otherwise, you're going to take that time off. You're going to do yoga. And then you're going to go back into those same environments, have those same stressors that are causing burnout in the first place. So what I like to say is we got to diagnose the problem before we prescribe the solution. So that goes to the E and, and the reset where I'm like, okay, you got to examine. You got to take a step back. What is causing you stress? This could be stress at work. This could be stress between your relationships. This could be stress families, you name it, and it's coming to terms what those are. The S is once you figure out what those things are and being real with yourself, because we got we to get to that point, is setting boundaries. This is my favorite B word because A, it's not optional. It is how you tell people how to effectively work with you, how to respect you, your time, your energy. It is how you protect your energy. And it's so much more than saying no. It's about, you gotta be clear with your needs. So what I tell people here, I always get asked like, okay, how do I know where I need to set boundaries? 
I usually say start with resentment. When you are in a situation and you come out of it resentful, that means that a boundary needs to be set. If you feel some type of way, if you're an entrepreneur or coach or consultant, and you feel some type of way that your, your clients are hitting you up 9 p.m. at night and you feel obligated to answer, and you feel resentful at the end, like, oh my gosh, like this client, you got to set boundaries. If you feel some type of way that your family be rolling up to your house without any notice and you're resentful about that because you had other things planned or you wanted time for yourself, that means you need to set a boundary. So I, I definitely wanted to go through that because I think resentment can always be seen as a, a bad thing, but I, I want to bring out the good. And like, if you're bitter somewhere, that means boundaries need to be set in place. Also with setting boundaries is setting boundaries with yourself. So oftentimes we tend to blame the external. Oh, I just have so much work. My boss is giving me all this workload. Oh, people don't do this. People don't do that. But there are things that we can own in order to recover from burnout. Change is required, but then also doing things that we can control. And that can have a lot to do with yourself. If you are someone who struggles with perfectionism, if you're someone who may, may just feel like you have to, there's FOMO. That's not, FOMO is a you problem. It is not, it is not a world's problem. You have FOMO, you wanna be in everything, but it's your choice if you choose to go to that party or not, if you know that you should be resting and give your brain a break instead. Um, the other is if you feel you like to do the most and do it all and be superman, superwoman, you gotta be okay with asking for help and delegating as needed. And that applies to professionally and personally. So that's the S. Feel free to stop me because I can just go through the full reset if that. Yeah, these are good. Keep going. Please back. I'm, I'm learning a ton from this actually. Yes, I love it. The other is, so we're, we're gonna go into the E. So that was boundary setting. And there's just so many different ways you can set boundaries, but know that is something that you can control. Know that other people are gonna be uncomfortable when you set those boundaries, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be setting them. The people who are more bothered by your boundaries are probably the ones who need them in your life. I'm just saying. So let's go into the E. The E is establishing healthy habits. So we all know this. As health and fitness coach, is probably the most given. But what I will say here is, Generally, we can't wait to, for our cup to be empty before we start taking care of ourselves. Oftentimes, we wait until the tank is empty. We go hard. We're like, I'll just wait until vacation. And what happens is when you do take that vacation, you can't even enjoy it. You probably need to sleep the whole seven days because you're so tired. You can't enjoy the time with your family. You can't enjoy the time with your friends, being able to go out and explore. So what I use usually challenge people is to think about prevention. You should be, when your tank is midway, should be when you're like, okay, if it's there, that means I need to work a little harder on things. But prevention can look like self-care prevention. It could be setting up a routine to work out, not saying that I'm working out because I've, I've gained weight and I, now I got to have a goal. It's like, no, you should be walking. You should be spending time away from your desk when you're eating because working from home, it naturally, you naturally could just be at your desk all day. It is just making sure you're taking care of your body and mind across the board. So healthy eating, fitness, sleep, managing your stress, all that matters. And one thing I do like to talk about here is the difference between so when people think self-care, they're like, ooh, bubble baths and massages. And it's like, no. But I mean, while that's all great, grand and uh, fine and dandy, I like to think of self-care for prevention because oftentimes self-soothing is what happens. So when you come home from a day of work and you're like, oh, I got to drink this glass of wine or I'm going to go get a massage because I'm, I, you know, I just, I just need to release. That is actually not self-care for prevention. That's self-soothing. That's you having a bad day and you are making the decision to take care of yourself as a result of having a bad day. But you want to make sure you're planning for those things. Maybe you should have a massage planned once a month. 
that's prevention. Maybe you should have a routine where you're working out a couple times a week versus when you've gained the weight and you lack confidence in your body. Last one here is taking a break. There are different ways that you can take a break. And I'm gonna start with the end of the spectrum all the way to where it's probably the most drastic when you are burnt out and may need to get to this place. So the best place that you wanna be in is being able to take just micro moments during the day, right? What does that look like with walking, getting away from your computer? Is, is it going for a walk? Is it eating away from your desk and maybe catching up with a friend during lunchtime? Just having, a, is it doing a meditation or breathing exercise? just for five minutes, those are micro moments. Depending on if you are a career professional or you're, you have your own business, taking a mental health day is a full day that you can dedicate to it. You can also take a week of PTO and actually use your PTO. 50% of US employees do not use their PTO by the end of the year. It's mind blowing, but not really because I was guilty of that too when I was in these corporate streets. <laughs> The other is possibly taking a monthly sabbatical. So now you're seeing I'm getting toward the end of the spectrum where it's like, okay, you probably can't really like function as a normal human being because you're so burnt out. So you would either need to consider a sabbatical or a career break. And I know that there are so many factors that go into play if it's financial, but I do know if you're someone who works for a larger company, they offer these things. They absolutely offer these things and you don't have to wait until you hit your milestone of a five-year recharge or any of that that these companies have. If you need to take a sabbatical, you need to assess. You need to make sure you have mental guidance. You should be seeing a therapist as well. Make sure you're looking into those. Make sure you're looking into those resources available to you and take time off. The building that you're working will always be standing, but you won't. So that is my, I probably talk way more than- No, 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 no. That's, you just went through a whole methodology and approach. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be replaying that and reminding myself personally of that. I think for me, I love the difference between self-soothing and sort of preventative self-care. And I think if I just, I was reflecting as you were talking about, as an only child, my mom's only child anyway, I don't know if I was, I would think I was, I've been decent at self-soothing, but I'm probably, when I, I start to do things that I've had been, you know, coding as self-care, I'm actually self-soothing. And I'm probably at 25%, like, and I'm a generator, uh, so human design, but like, I, I think I, I my, my tank refills pretty quickly, but it's really helpful to sort of think proactively about how to do self-care in a preventative way so that I can be, I can show up as my best self for my for my son, for Amy and, and others. So, so thank you for that. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. It's a self-awareness for me, always. I love it. I love that reset framework. It, there's so much to kind of dive into and like to peel away from that. And I'm curious, you know, when you were experiencing burnout in investment banking, the reset kind of framework that came a little bit later is my assumption. And so curious what the journey was like when burnout was a very new thing for you, when you didn't even know burnout was even a thing. Like, how did you get to the point to where you felt good enough to go back into, into work? What was that kind of mindset? What did you have a support system? Like what was kind of shaping that experience for you? Yeah, that's such a great question. It, it definitely deferred as I evolve as a human being and become older. Investment banking is the younger out of college, Ari. And I think there's always this thought, I'm like, well, I'm young, I can handle it. And I think it's, it's very different once you get older and your priorities look a little different. You actually know how to communicate your priorities and understand your values. So investment banking, for me, I had to get comfortable with not being able to do it all and asking for help. I, I did not ask for help. I, I actually took a lot of pride in being able to say yes to everything that came my way. I took a lot of pride in being known as a beast. 
And that's what led me to burnout. So my assessment at that time was being real, like having that conversation with my manager and setting priorities. Like what I learned through these conversations is everything that was a priority on my plate wasn't a priority for my manager. So what he or she was was doing was giving, sending things my way, but I never was really asking, I wasn't proactive with asking timelines. I just assumed that it needed to be done. And in these conversations, I learned like, yeah, just focus on like these two things this week. And then we can see what it looks like for our partners that we're collaborating with internally or our clients over the next few weeks. My reaction, I'm like, next few weeks, <laughs> it should be done <laughs> this week, you know? So it definitely be, <laughs> being comfortable with having those conversations. I realized I ended up winning by doing that. The old, the version before having that conversation was like, oh, I'm going to be seen as weak or not being able to handle things. Obviously in these corporate environments, we're working towards a promotion. And usually what's required for promotion is that you have to operate the next level to prove that you can handle that next level. And the danger of that, you're gonna wanna take everything on because I don't wanna be seen as like not being able to handle it. So there was a shift for me. Asking for help is the was it for me, but there were so many layers of what that looked like because I had to get out of my own head that it meant that I looked weak. And then outside of that was setting up holding myself accountable to a routine. So I told you the gym hooky started with working out from home. I knew before the burnout that working out is something that helped me beat stress. It made me feel more confident. It, it impacted my energy and all of that. And I needed to, to focus on what I can control, which was you can wake up earlier and work out if you know your days are going to be longer. So just being really intentional about that routine. And I would say that was for the investment banking when it came to the burning out happening while working in tech or even as an entrepreneur, I had to, I learned to just tweak the things that I could control that I may not have had to in the prior times that I experienced it. That's really powerful. And I'm just thinking through for the folks who are in these corporate environments, I've seen so many instances where people are bending over backwards in order to get that promotion, in order to be seen as the next best and how that just like Fs them up. Like it, it, it literally can put folks in the hospital. And so being able to kind of be intentional with understanding the priorities, I think is actually, to me, that actually expresses a little bit more of a leadership quality than just doing everything that comes your way. Because as a leader, someone who's operating at a next level, you have a better understanding of your time. And that level of self-awareness also positions you to be able to know what you can handle, what you need to delegate, what needs to kind of be pushed to the side. And so thank you for saying that, because I feel like that is a, a big unlock for folks who are trying to prevent burnout, working in very high stress environments. One question just to piggyback on Amy's point, if I may, is you do have a business and a movement that started with really helping and supporting and empowering women. And I'm interested in sort of, so as Amy started talking, you know, because I feel like Amy's going to take this reset and she's about to flex this professionally and personally. Yes. And? <laughs> okay. And so am I. So my question though is how do these these jewels, these lessons sort of play out for women in personal relationships and frankly for people, right? Because as your local resident feminist, you know, I care about sort of creating space for Amy to sort of care for herself and, and for me to take care of her and create conditions that where we can take care of each other. But it does feel like sometimes at work, you can say, I need help. But if I remember correctly, but you and hubby are both entrepreneurs. So what happens when both of you need help 
when both of you need a break. And sometimes you could be like, yo, I need you to pull up like this. And then he, you know, depending on personalities, he also might be like, okay, well, I need you to pull up, but then something's got to give. So how, how do you navigate that? And how do you advise your community and your clients and customers on things where it's actually sort of challenging to figure out who should do what and, and how to create boundaries so that everybody's successful? Y'all killing it with these questions. I love this. And let's talk marriage. <laughs> what I will say is what has worked out in our favor, because now we're both we're both CEOs with our own companies, but we both had the opportunity to build when each person was in a different place. So when I chose to take the leap in 2020 to go all in on Jim Hookie, Hubby was still working. He was still getting a W-2, needless to say, right? <laughs> he was still working full time. Now, I was able to make moves and get to a point of my business where I learned about how the boundaries I needed to set, not, not only with myself, but with clients and build a business that was more burnout proof. So by the time he came in and was ready to start his own business, he's going through what I went through the first year. So it was a different understanding. I think it, it's honestly God's timing on just how it worked out. However, now we're in a place where we're both and we're both busy. So the conversations that we have to communication, which is probably the most cliche thing to, to say, but what I needed to get comfortable with was actually communicating what I need. I am absolutely someone who suffers from superwoman syndrome and hubby has a personality where he likes to just solve things, right? You say something, he will just solve it. And while these are great qualities, they could also be toxic to the other person. So we've had to figure out what boundaries can look like especially being we're both working from home, right? We can, there are things we, we may want to vent about. I've set, I've had to set boundaries on when I want to talk about things that may be stressed because I'm like, Hey, I'm actually feeling a little stressed right now too. So like, let's save that conversation for a little later, like maybe some over dinner or something like that, but setting boundaries during the day and being respectful of schedules, both going to therapy. I think in relationships, we oftentimes feel that the other person can fill that gap when it comes to, you know, you, you have a best friend. You, if, 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 if you're someone who doesn't have a partner or, or in a marriage, there's someone that you, you can talk to when you're going through it. And the reality is the people in our lives aren't always the answer or always the people who can help solve for it. So what was really important for us is that we, the middleman being like a therapist where it's like, oh, we're, we're not only committing to wealth building, but we're also committing to taking care of ourselves outside of ourselves because you can learn tools and strategies by going to therapy. I think for me, it's, it hasn't only been therapy. It's been having a mindset coach as well, which is different than a therapist. But there are things that I've had to work on when it comes to my, my money mindset and fear of being broke and all these things that can absolutely play out in your, your everyday and lead to burnout. Because my perception is I got to work, 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 work. Like I, I, just, I just want a big bank account. Like that's it. I just don't want to feel broke. Right. So these are things that we've had to work on for ourselves individually in order to be able to be a collective unit where we're not both burning the ends of the candle. And next thing you know, we're snapping at each other, which is not good and healthy. So hopefully that answers the question, but communication and boundaries and having a middleman. That totally answers the question. And, you know, one other, people don't know this, is that we explored Priorities Podcast being about being named vulnerable. And so the, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing a little bit of behind the scenes and your personal life, because we, we definitely will be learning from that. Everything that you say, I feel like is gold. One thing that you mentioned earlier in the conversation, which was you really love the work that you're doing. And so 
getting burnt out can make it a lot, it can make it a bit easier for you to get burnt out because there's such a love and a passion for what you're doing. And I think for quite a while, I personally have thought there's no way that I can get burnt out because I really love what I'm doing. I really love, my client is like calling me at like 9 p.m., but actually don't mind it. Like there's, I'm tired, yes. And I probably should set this boundary, yes, but I love my job. And so not really thinking about the residual effects that it might be having on my mental well-being, my emotional well-being, relational well-being of not really setting those boundaries. And so I'd love for you to just take a, take a, a second and like talk us through some burnout myths and bust them for us. Things that we probably could lead to burnout or things that we probably didn't think could lead to burnout. Like what are some some typical myths that you've come in contact with as it relates to burnout? I'm just gonna say this every time you guys ask a question. Y'all killing it. Y'all killing the game here. I'm here, I'm, I'm here for this. Okay. <laughs> and I think it's only because we're talking to you. I feel like we have good podcasts, but I think it actually comes from talking to people that we know and feel familiar with and who invite us to Thanksgiving dinner. So there's that. <laughs> Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So first myth is that burnout means you failed or you're weak or you can't handle handle stress. There are so many of us, and I say us, especially people within our community, that we never want to own that we are absolutely stressed because it equates to not being able to handle things. So there's a lot of shame. And the reality is over 80% of people have experienced burnout in their careers alone. This is not even this is not even including burnout that can happen just being a parent or a caregiver or whatever it is that you do outside of work. There are other things that can cause that. So people thinking that they failed when they haven't. And it's about setting strategy, setting up strategies for prevention and giving yourself permission to take a step back and be like, whoa, okay, I'm doing a lot. I'm doing a lot. It doesn't mean I'm failed. That means I just need to take several seats or my body will make me do so. The other is exactly what you said, Amy, about loving and or hating your job. So burnout doesn't mean that you hate your job and the only the only option is to call it quits. There are so many people who they go hard and they they go hard to the end and then they get to a point where it's like, oh my gosh, I have to leave this job because I'm just, I'm burnt out. There's no way that the workload is going to get better where there's lack of resources. They go through this list of things and people do think that that means that they have to call it quits, even if they love what they're doing. There are plenty of clients that I've actually flipped the script where it's like, hmm, the answer actually is setting boundaries. You actually never gave it a chance. You can still love your job and burnout. Burnout does not discriminate by all means. But if you want to continue to show up and feel that burn, that fire, that creative, get your creative juices flowing, you have to set boundaries. It doesn't mean that you have to quit. People will try you until you stop them in their breaks. You pump them in their breaks. In all cases, it was actually very well respected. People think that they would lose job opportunities and all that. And it's like, no, just because you never set them. So people were just accustomed to you taking everything that could come your way. You can make it very clear in your communication when you're speaking with your manager, for example, like, hey, you, you feel like you're losing excitement for the job because you have you have too much on your plate. You feel like you may not be able to be your most productive self. So re- have those conversations again and let them know that you love being here. I think it's a, it's a different way to communicate that you are burnt out. It's like, I love my job, but I'm not, I'm not loving how I'm feeling when I'm going hard like this. Third one, I say the myth, what I think I've, I've probably referred to a bit already is people thinking the answer to burnout just means that you need, you need to take a few days off. 
And if you're a manager listening to this, you're probably guilty of telling your employee that like, oh, you could just take some time off, which it's great that you're encouraging that. That's not the answer. The answer is sitting down with them and or if you're someone who's burnt out, sitting down and coming to terms with why it is that you're burnt out in the first place. So when you come back into work, you could take those times off. When you go back to work, you approach it in a way that's actually intentional and can get you out of the cycle of experiencing burnout. I love all of those myths. The fear of feeling like you failed is that resonates 100%. I'm like, it's particularly with the combination of I love what I'm doing because it, the stress of feeling like you need to take a break, but then also questioning, like, does this mean that I'm not supposed to be doing this thing because I don't have the energy to keep going and pushing through. I think that is very much at least a misconception that I've had as it relates to understanding your purpose or, you know, feeling like you're you're living your life in your purpose, but then also feeling burnt out by living life in your purpose of like, well, actually did I, is this my purpose? Because if I if if it was, then I should have like this infinite amount of like energy and like time and it's my gift. And so that resonates really really deeply. I want to bring one thing up because I, I think what is interesting about this is how we perceive failure to be. So in this case, which I resonate with it as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm speaking when I, in all these things, I'm speaking from experience. These are things that, that Ari went through as well. When we think we failed, we think we fail when it comes to success, when it comes to achievement. But very rarely do we think that we're failing ourselves, like we're failing our bodies. It's, it's more of the achievement. I think that that's always interesting because it's very clear what we choose to put on the pedestal. And it's more of that sense of achievement because I, I don't want to feel like I fail versus like being upset that you're you're failing your yourself and your body, right? And not showing up for it. Wow. That's a whole sermon in of itself because it just shows how much more validation we put on external praise, on kind of the outward appearance of success, what society deems to be success, as opposed to our actual well-being. When we talk about when we want to prevent burnout, I think making yourself, your actual self, your well-being a priority has to be a part of that conversation. Thank you for that. Yeah, it, it actually needs to start there. That needs to, when you think of an equation, me <laughs> should be the very first <laughs> variable, right? Not everyone else, because again, work will always be there. It's like, okay, well, I can't do without just simply taking care of myself. You can't. There's a, a tough look in the mirror that, that we all, and I don't care who you are, that we all get to a point that we have to do in order to be able to survive in this this world that wasn't set up for us to be, the world wasn't set up for us to be able to do all of this. It's crazy. It's my one. I think even as a woman, right? And Amy, you being a mom as well, a lot of women are kicking themselves in the butt, especially during the pandemic, where it's like, oh my gosh, like I, I'm struggling to parent and, and work and do all these things. It wasn't designed for women to do all these things, right? Now we're in a place of, as people of color, we're experiencing career highs, right? What we what we saw, and I knew for me, I, I always have this conversation with Quentin because we're just like, man, would we ever consider a nanny? What would help look like when we do get kids? And these are things that we're all looked down upon in the environments where we grew up in because it's like, oh, the woman takes it on. Like the woman's supposed to like take it on and be able to do all these things. But when I really look at what life is like for our elders, our the, the older generations, especially for the women in my families I can speak to, it was very different when you have a job that is nine to that you actually clock out of, right? And you're not answering emails at 9 p.m. at night, all looks differently. 
And I've had to even work on it. And even with clients giving ourselves permission and saying like, it wasn't designed for us to be able to do everything. It was like an either or back then. Now we're, we're trying to do it all. And we're still trying to have the same level of success and be the same mom that shows up in everything and for everyone, you know, I'm not trying to exclude you here, but you know, it's, it's different in these women's streets. <laughs> yes. That is what I've learned in all of my 40 years is yes, that's right. You and Amy are completely right. And I also truly believe it too, from seeing my mama operate and seeing Amy operate in the way that she does. So can we just come back to, and one thing I, I'm trying to just connect the dots in and visually, whenever I see you on, on, on the gram, are you on TikTok too? Mm, yeah, not really. I post a little something, but. Mm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> light, light. So on IG, when I see your posts and stories, I'm feeling joy and I'm seeing dance. Oftentimes, even if it may be the, the, the regular eye, you know, but the curated connoisseur eye, I'm seeing dance in almost everything. And I want to connect that to the fact that you were at Beyonce's party, at the Renaissance party. Okay. <laughs> Can you just sort of talk about the role of dance and joy in your life today as being the person, entrepreneur, woman, brilliant sort of whisperer that you are? And what reflections have you had from that night with Beyonce? Yes. So for me, dan dance is absolutely my medicine. Dance brings me joy. When I dance, it's probably the most removed I am with thinking about the to-do list, with thinking about the responsibilities I have. I'm usually, and I love music as well. So I think it just all becomes a bigger part of who I am, like as a person. I, I'm, I also reference to say I'm Caribbean, but in the Caribbean culture, music is is a big part as well as how we celebrate music. There's always music. It's how we celebrate culture. It's how we celebrate with food. It's how we celebrate family. There's always music. So I equate music with joy. If I'm ever sad, I will absolutely stop all things and play a song and dance in the middle of our of our living room. And I actually do that too, where we're like, how you feeling? How you feeling? Let's put on some Luther Vandross and just like dance it out, right? And across all, all genres. It's something that has really fed us both. Now, Beyonce's night, I think, I mean, we all know that she is a woman of craft. She's very intentional about all the things she did. So being in this space where it's a celebration of, it's a celebration of her album, but what, what is deeper is what she, the messages she's giving in this album, right? So for example, Break My Soul. She's out here telling these corporate people that if you ain't, if, if you burn time, you need to leave. <laughs> Right. She's, I'm quitting. <laughs> so it's, it's the messaging. And I, and she has a very, I, I mean, being in that room and being there, like I, 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 I did have a chance to hug Beyonce. It was, it was a very, um, it was a moment I would never, ever forget, but also just seeing the people there. So it was, it was small. There were about a hundred people there. It was a small venue. There was no like VIPs. You had access to everyone. Like, so you had like the Lena Waves and Janelle Monae's and Tyler Perry's. There were so many celebrities there. But for me, it was dope seeing so many celebrities across the industry. I think for me, I was like, oh, there'll probably be a lot of music people there. And when I saw Tyler Perry walk in, I was like, oh, you know, it's lit. I love us. I love how we support each other, you know? And that spoke to that, being in that environment. And she's very, she is who you see. She is. She's very, she's actually quieter. He's quiet. But I think we know, I think people know, know this a bit about her. She has a, the whole like Sasha Fierce, the different version of her where she's like woman empowerment. We gonna talk about this. We gonna go ham. But she's generally, she's very humble, very quiet, but it was dope to be in that space where she was celebrated and everyone knew the lyrics to her songs. Like, can you imagine being an artist and your album is out for like 
a week and everyone knows all the words already. It's actually pretty wild. Yeah, <laughs> and I powerful. give props to, I think with her being a woman in the industry, it was really dope to see Jay-Z there. And like the vibes I got from that was like, oh, it's your world, I'm living in it. He knew all the words to all the songs as well, but like it was her show and it wasn't a show. She did not. So number one question I get asked, does Beyonce dance at her parties? No, she does not. She's the fly Beyonce that she is. She encourages everyone else to dance. <laughs> so, yeah. I love that. And I am definitely a bit jealous that you got to hug her and that you are now sweat sisters. And <laughs> can I tell you, every almost every morning we wake up, Amy's like, so I had this dream. <laughs> I'm like, oh, tell me about your dreams, baby. Tell me about your dreams. I'm thinking, like, maybe I'm there. Nope. So Beyonce was talking to me, and this is, like, literally, like, every other week. We're best friends in my dreams. We're best friends. That is wild. She's a great person to be be best friends with. Here's what I will say. Do y'all believe in the power of manifestation? Of course, 100%. Yes. Okay. I manifest the ish out of that moment. Now I say this. So now what I didn't mention is like how, so this was a a space that was created for Beyonce to be her authentic self. So what comes with that is, I mean, that had security on lock, lock, like click, click. I mean, when we walked in, we have, they handed us two pieces of tape and we had to put it on the front and the back of our phones or they were putting it on for us. So no pictures would be taken. And because this environment was created this way, there was more like she could be, right? There was no being behind in a, in a, in a secluded area where she has security. It was, she could just be. Why I asked about the power of manifestation is because I told my husband, Quentin, I'm like, I'm gonna Beyonce by the end of the day. He was like, mm, okay, sure. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there, you know? and. I'm a Beyonce fan as well. So it's like, okay, how do you not have the ultimate fandom and be normal in the streets? Like you're not, you're actually like feeling an entire way in the inside versus what you show on the outside. And it just so happens that we were in the same hallway at the same time. When I was going to the bathroom, she was going to probably looks like her, her VIP bathroom. And we were, there were only like three of us in the hallway. And that's how I was at. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to kick myself in the butt if I am in this hallway and I don't acknowledge her just out of fear of being feeling like a fan or any of that. So I literally was like, Beyonce, girl, you this album. She was like, thank you. And she pulled me in for a hug. And that's how it went down. <laughs> so I have to share the story because it, like, I do believe in that. I, I manifested that. And when I ran, I ran back to the main area and Quentin's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, she was like, no way. I'm like, you know, you just gotta walk into a room and just say you're gonna do something, even if you don't know how it's gonna happen. I love that. Yes, I love that. I love that. So my last question that I wanna ask is, because we're talking about when avoiding burnout is a priority, I feel like we need to talk, you've talked about this throughout this entire podcast, but I feel like we need to just have like a synthesized version of like, what are the ways that folks can actually start to get to the root cause of their burnout? Like, what does that even look like? What are some steps that folks can take to, to really start to recognize, this is why I'm burnt out. If I go into any other, I can leave my job, I can do X, Y, and Z. But if I go into any other situation without fixing these problems, this is going to be a continued issue. And so what are ways that folks can actually start to assess and uncover the real cause for their burnout? So I'll use a couple. I use some of these words, but I'm going to put it together so it is a more cohesive <laughs> list of things. So one, with the assessment, it is 
It is coming to terms with what aspects of your life are stressing you out. So burnout is chronic stress over a long period of time. It isn't something that you can't get burnt out in a week. So there's some people who've been burnt out for two years. Like you can be burnt out for a long, uh, stress for a long period of time. So stress is a key word and coming to terms with what things in life are stressing you out. So usually what I have people do picture just, you know, writing column, three columns. And the first column you have work, the second column you have personal, and then the other is maybe just relationships. And the personal is where you can have like family and so forth. And in each of those buckets, think of what life has been like for the past month. And what are the moments? What are the things? What are the, the things that you're putting your energy towards or the things that are coming up on your to-do list that just mentally has you stressed out before you even do it and write those things down. That is always the first step is coming to terms with what the things are that are stressing you out. The second step would be noting areas of resentment. Okay. So you have these things that are stressing you out. I also want you to think about what things that people do in your lives or that you may be told to do that may leave you resentful. Write that list down too. And it always starts with being coming to terms with what ain't right and what needs to change has to happen. So once you have this full list, then you can start to dig a little deeper into how you can set any boundaries around those things. And I gave some examples earlier, but generally if there's something that's really stressing you out, if you're like, you know, you, if you're a parent and you may feel like you are taking a large chunk of the responsibilities, boundaries that you set, it's boundaries and communication you have with your partner on your needs, right? And that's where it starts. But you have to be comfortable having these conversations. Oftentimes, there's always a person that you need to speak to. It could be your manager, if, you, if it's in the workplace. It could be an HR person, if you don't feel comfortable speaking to your manager and getting thoughts on how you can set boundaries and, and talk about priorities. It can be your mother or your, your, your immediate family. It could be your spouse. So when you write that thing that stresses you out, write the boundary you need to set, write the person that you need to, to talk to in order for change to happen. And that was that would be where I say is a good start. Thank you, Ariel. This has been so enriching and helpful. And so I'm super grateful for you joining us and talking us through all things burnout and Beyonce. And <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate it. And I really think that this this is such a, a big topic. I have so many more questions I want to ask you, but this is such a big topic. So I, I just think it means that you have to come back and be our burnout whisperer and talk us through all the things so that we can not be burnt out. Because I feel like it's a real public health issue in and of itself that a lot of people are experiencing. Anytime I mention it to anyone, they're like, oh yeah, I am burnt out. Which is crazy. It's become such the norm, which is... And, and the other things I know, Amy, where we both have missions where we're creating spaces for people to feel like they can feel supported and empowered and educated when it comes to these things. So the other thing would be, I know there are things that you guys are working on in your end with creating those spaces for me, like doing things like a retreat, but find a space where you can be intentional about it. And home may not always be it, right? How can you separate yourself from the people and things for a short moment where you have the opportunity to really think about and assess the stress that you're under and make up and take a plan of action, but also being around an environment where other people get it. It's not like it's going to be like a Debbie Downer party. Relatability is very powerful too, where it's like, oh, wow, you're, you'd be shocked by like these communities where it's like black people talking about burnout. It's like, what? You've been feeling burnt out too. Like, man, I didn't even know where to start with talking about it. Right. 
So that is just kudos on both ends. I, I love that you guys are creating the space for the conversations. It's through the podcast, but then also creating physical spaces for people to be able to kind of rethink their priorities and, and their values and their purpose and what that means for how they show up in this world without being burnt out. Yes. Thank you for, for mentioning that. I love the space that you created with your, your um, self-care retreat. And so, yeah, I would love for you to just give us like a quick rundown of that experience, because I think you're right. I think it's one about having a space outside of the norm where you can go, or even for us, it's about understanding how you can tap into nature and how you can tap into your surroundings as a method of relieving stress and as a method of kind of creating a place of refuge for you to kind of recharge. And so, yeah, I would love for you to talk a little bit about the retreat that you've created and kind of how that all kind of encompasses and is a response to burnout. And maybe tack on where people can sort of find out more about you and, and the work that you do. So I hosted my first self-care retreat internationally. It was in Thailand a few weeks ago. It was a direct result of people, specifically women, coming out of the pandemic super burnt out. So for me, it was important to create a space where they were removed from it. Because at the end of the day, right, I think there are different ways people are learning about wellness. You know, you could attend workshops, you can listen to podcasts and do different things. Most people know what they need to do, but they struggle with how to do it. How do I even find time to do these things? And the answer is usually creating a space where you can think about it. So that was a goal for me, was to create a space where women for seven days, they can go in. I purposely chose a location where the time zone is just way off in comparison to the US. So you are looking, if you're in California, it's, it's, it's about like a 14 hour difference. And it really makes a big difference versus being one hour or three hours away because how you, you are held accountable to communicate less People can still communicate with their families, but it allows you to be more present. So I created a space and even an agenda that included things for rest, for restoration, for reflection, for recharging. And these are all the things that women may not be able to do on their own on the day to day. But my goal was to use a lot of psychology in it and remind them how good it feels when they feel energized. Remind them what it looks like to have a routine. And it absolutely worked. All the women come back. They were just like, oh my gosh, I'm still doing this. I, I'm now I'm doing yoga. I used to have the yoga mat sitting there and I never used it. Oh, now I'm doing quiet hours first thing in the morning. So I give myself time to reflect. And these are women who are a high caliber. I'm talking partners at law firms, executives at tech companies, professors, you name it. And entrepreneurs like CEOs who are making million dollars. Like they actually stopped and paused. For the first time. And guess what? You bet your bottom dollar made them uncomfortable. It made them so uncomfortable the first day. They were just like, so what should I, you're, you're going to do nothing today. You're actually going to do nothing, which is still something. <laughs> so creating that space for them to remember what it's like to fill up their cup. Yeah, that's what inspired me to do that. So now I'm going to be doing it on an annual basis. I have the next one happening in July of 2023. It will be in Thailand. I, I purposely keep it small. So it's 15 women or less. So that way they feel like they can really be able to have the time to spend time for themselves, but then also be around a smaller group of women who are on the same journey. So, Doing queen things. Really appreciate you sharing that. And for the spaces that you're creating, I think we've talked a lot, a lot about the importance of education, particularly around wellness, and present it in ways that feels very practical. And just like, here's what you can do right now. <laughs> in this very moment. And so really appreciate you kind of dedicating your work and your mission to helping us learn how to be well. 
and live in our own well-being. And so appreciate you sending you so much love, even though I am a bit jealous that you got to hug Beyonce, but I won't hold it against you. Um. <laughs> you're, you're one degree separated. It's like, let, 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 let's look at the positives here. Let's look at the positives. Let's look at the positives. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for having me, both of you. For sure. And please, where can people sort of find out more about you, continue to learn, join your communities? And then I have one last thing for the both of you. Uh, yeah. So if you uh, want to be inspired in a, in a funny, encouraging way, you can find me on Instagram at Jim Hookie, G-Y-M-H-O-O-K-Y. If you're interested in working with me, I work one-on-one, -on -one, do one-on-one -on -one coaching, but I also work with corporations conducting wellness workshops. So you can find that at www.jimhookie.com. Com. If you ever have any questions or um, if you're in these LinkedIn streets, I'm there too, preaching the, the self-care and burnout gospel. So you can find me there as well. Love that. So let's, let's support Ari and, you know, and I was just inspired through this entire episode for the both of you, or this, this poem that I really love. And so I wanted to share with you at least one component, unique. That's what you are. <laughs> Stilettos kicking vintage crystal off the bar. <laughs> category beep you the bar that's all i got it's the brownie points that you just earned from me unique everything uh, everything 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 thank i see you. what you did there appreciate you thank you thank you again for being here and for honoring us with your time this podcast is created by With Wellness, hosted by Amy and Brian Lattimore, produced by Circle Audio, and music and graphics will be linked in the show notes below. Before we part ways, we offer you a moment of peace. Take this next 60 seconds to simply breathe. As you go about your day, remember, you deserve to be prioritized.